Hey everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa Tough, get on a Gravel Worlds podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. want to talk about tempo training, which has been sometimes called no man's land. And I just wrote a blog about this. I'll put the link in the description below. But wanted to hit up the podcast with some main bullet points. And I've posted a bunch about tempo training recently in terms of the YouTube video. And I actually think I did make it a podcast when I was curious if I was riding too much tempo, having now moved to the mountains. Because when you're climbing 2,000 feet an hour, it's not always possible in the Blue Ridge Mountains to stay in the endurance zone because my biggest gear is a 3928. And you simply could say what I tell other people, use your gears, dummy, get an easier gear. I could do that, but I didn't. And I actually found that I wasn't riding too much tempo. I won't go and rehash that whole podcast or video, but you can find it on our channel. So I've been asked, though, is it even worth training in the tempo zone? You know, it's been, in my opinion, misnomered as a dead zone. Mainly, though, it's stuck right between two huge zones that we talk a lot about, endurance training and threshold training. So if there's so much, you know, literature and articles and it's just kind of what we talk about, like, hey, build this huge aerobic foundation. Hey, increase your FTP. Is there a reason to train in between? Or are you making the endurance riding too hard and the threshold riding too easy, therefore hampering other workouts? To be fair, there is a reason to ride in every zone. And it's the amount that amount of time that you spend in each zone that's going to change based on athlete to athlete, based on your natural strengths and weaknesses, what you've done before, and what events you have coming up, and what you're trying to change in your physiology. So in the article... I'm going to quickly look at what is tempo cycling. You know, let's really get down. What are we talking about when we're riding tempo? You'll hear people talk about like, oh, yeah, we're tempo pace lining. And it's like you're a few people back and coasting. It's like, no, you're not really going hard enough. You're kind of high endurance riding maybe, but you're definitely not riding tempo. Or other people are riding tempo and they're absolutely hammering it. Another thing I want to talk about in the article is, and I've said this before, that tempo riding is the indoor training replacement for endurance riding. We need to be really careful when we start talking about that because that turn point for a lot of people, now this is, yes, this is going to 
change. The lactate term point is going to change from athlete to athlete. So this is a very broad, um, uh, this is a a blanket statement, but that's when a lot of athletes are going to start going more glycolytic than if you ride endurance. So while I do prescribe more tempo to alleviate boredom from indoor training during the winter, it might not be as optimized as if someone did pure endurance riding, but like everything, there's a cost benefit. Do I want the rider to have to stare at a Zwift screen for two hours and ride endurance and be bored out of their mind, hating it, so that then when I really start turning up the spice in March, they're like, dude, I'm kind of over this. This is like, that was a horrible two, three months of winter. Or, is it more worth them having some fun and we do some tempo bursts? I'm not going to say, okay, hey, let's go do VO2 max, but there's ways to kill the boredom. It might not be optimal, but maybe optimal is saving those mental matches. You see what I'm saying? Hopefully that's coming across in the right way. I talk about that a bit in the article. And then definitely looking at, I'll get emails asking me comparison of, hey, what's really the difference between tempo and sweet spot training? And again, I don't hate sweet spot training. It's just that I hate the overprescription of it and that people are sold and ripped off on plans totally based around it. That is my N of one opinion. I'll always get an email after saying that online. Hey, Brennan, I heard your podcast, but that really worked for me. It may have worked for you, but always remember, something else may have worked better. So that's the whole optimizing, doing the best thing for you. That's most often not battering sweet spot over your head for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then talking truly about the benefits of tempo cycling. And there are five that stand out to me. And I won't go into massive detail on these. But the most basic one is consistent pressure on the pedals. It's amazing how many people can't pedal continuously for like an hour and so then if you can't pedal consistently at zone two three for an hour this i'm sure someone would argue this point for some reason i'm like playing devil's advocate on everything i say this morning uh if you can't do that for an hour i would place a bet that your 30 minute power is going to be hampered by that just there's this kind of relates, and I don't know if I should draw this thread, but if you remember back earlier in the last year, we were talking about, I think it was on that triathlon show, they were talking about a study between Tabata intervals and more classic style intervals, and how one reason why the classic style, like five by fives, were better was that it actually increased your maximal aerobic power more because they were... I don't know how they, if they found this or if this was a conclusion that they drew because you're continuously pedaling and it's not this 15 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 15 off, 30 on. And so there's always, so take that way down in intensity. And I think that that type of science or thought process trickles into, man, if you can't pedal endurance for an hour, how are you going to really crush for 30 minutes? 
or really crush for five minutes even harder. So anyways, going on a tangent there, muscle fiber utilization, talk about that. Muscular endurance is, I think, the most important thing, which also relates to your aerobic efficiency. And then muscle fiber strength, which I think would be very, very applicable to those of you that ever have climbs or even have short, punchy courses. I know that that's one thing that I have felt so much stronger in over time of becoming more durable as a cyclist that I can go do courses. One, A course that I actually think of that I did a video on so you could maybe see it was the North Carolina State Road Race this past year. Hilly, punchy hills, some like 90-second efforts, and just it was a tough group of dudes that were racing and just people throwing punches on these climbs and having the actual muscular strength helped me at the end. I uncorked pretty solid sprint to get the win, and that is no doubt not the sprint training that I don't do. It's having the strength in my legs and muscle fiber strength to be able to get through that course, throw my own punches, but then also, you know, there, there was no getting away. And I think it was four of us that came up in a sprint and was super pumped to take that one. And then most importantly, talking about how to incorporate this into your training, I really think there's a good place to put tempo blocks in. One of the OG Evoke articles, I might have even written it before Evoke became Evoke when I just started to, to mess around with blogging about bike topics. Uh, was Tempo the Silent Killer when I really think that's one year I was riding too much tempo. I got aerobically fit, and instead of keeping it on endurance on endurance rides, I was trying to go out and just ride harder and longer. And I was listening to the wrong the wrong advice there, not to not throwing stones. It's just why I was doing it. Someone's like, well, why'd you do it? That's just what people are talking about doing um, more often, and I started turning to – just doing too much tempo. I put my top tempo cycling training workouts, the ones that I really like. These are very oftentimes uh, ones that athletes are like, that, that was super fun. Um, there's some small alterations to like three by 20s that you can do that I think make it, it's a really fast two hours, uh, no pun intended. Obviously, spoiler, there's going to be tempo bursts in there. That is a killer workout. And then I think that's where I ended it. So check it out. Check out the, um, I was going to say check out the podcast. If you're on Spotify, can you please leave us a five-star review? Please do the same thing on the Apple Podcasts. And tell a friend. If you're going to do some tempo training this year, shoot this blog to a friend and keep each other accountable. And if you're not getting coached, work with your friend. This is not a pitch to get coached. Work with someone else. You should join the Discord. Talk to other athletes. I cannot tell you how many people we've done a power file analysis for. We've sent them recommendations back. And just in having a quick conversation of understanding who they are and where they're trying to go, the comment, man, I never considered that. Or I never thought to do that. It is, I was talking to Raleigh Weaver about, uh, he had a meeting with his coach before he we went for a ride in Ecuador, and he said, it's not possible to coach yourself. And so I played devil's advocate of, of let's keep that thread going. I was like, well, you, you can do it. And he was like adamant of, it is so hard to see the big picture. And that's what we all, well, I shouldn't say we all, most of us miss. That's why I have a coach. 
Um, it's, it's, I can choose the workouts. It's the big picture. It's having somebody to talk to. So link up with your buddy this year and be like, Hey, let's coach each other. Let's figure this out. It's not going to be perfect. Trust me. The, I look back at how I coached some athletes years ago. I'm no doubt a way better coach now. Um, and that's not a pat on the back. That's just saying you're going to have to fact check each other. If you've never coached somebody, it's, you're going to learn a lot going along the way, but just obviously don't hold your friend of the fire. If they make some crazy recommendations, cause they've never done it before, but you know, get 10, 15 years down the road of doing this with your friend or, fi- you know, figuring it out. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. And that's one reason why I love that we have seven coaches is that we can, we cross check notes. We talk about athletes. We have our coaches calls. It's been the best thing for all of us doing this together. So anyways, enough talking about coaching and how to coach yourself and how to get faster. This is supposed to be about tempo riding. Ride some tempo this year. I think you will see benefit from it. The end.